Welcome to a new kind of special episode from me, Babs, and my co-host Fran at Over Underrated. We are joined today by Mark Fraser and Chris Cusack from the Unsung Podcast to do a record label special, and a very punky one at that as well. We chatted to Mark and Chris for so long that this is going to be another two-parter. My gosh, we've done a lot this season. And in the first episode, we're going to be talking about Discord Records. And you'll have to wait next week while we'll be talking about Jade Tree Records. Who are these labels? Who are these bands? Well, you'll have to wait and see. Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over-underrated? Over-underrated. Sous-évalué. Uberchette. Over-underrated. Welcome to Over Underrated with Fran and my co-host Babs. How are you doing, Babs? I'm doing good, Fran. I am drinking port wine and uh, sheltering from the rain. So all in all, a good day. How about you? Well, there's little rain. I'm having an almond milk hot chocolate. So oh, This is a new one. I know. I thought it's a new year. Goodbye, Pepsi Trey Max and had a hot chocolate. Who knew <laughs> it was a delicious, luxurious <laughs> drink? Now, almond because you're trying to cut down on dairy, you're trying to go more plant-based, or just to, to mix it up? It was cheap, and mm. it it lasts longer. There's there the we go. two reasons. <laughs> you can add the other reasons. You can add uh, all sure. the nice reasons as well. Sure, sure. You're trying to be a better person in 2023. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. What music have you been listening to this week? I have been listening to uh, a band called Pulp, because my American friend has never heard of Pulp and mm. I was like, you what? So I have been uh, showing Americans the world of Jarvis Cocker. And? and I had to explain the Brit Awards uh, incident. Mm-hmm. What a Brit Awards? Why is it doing that? Uh... <laughs> Did you go into other Brit folklore, like, uh, you know, KLF? Yeah, and... yeah. I, I said, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I said, yeah, in the 90s was a different world. There was a lot of alcohol, a lot of egos, a lot of cocaine, and <laughs> a lot of things happened. Well, that's actually quite a coincidence that you're talking about the Brit Awards, because, uh, you know, the Instagram account Indie Sleaze? I don't. Uh, it's basically looking back on the, the indie era of the mid-2000s. They shared today, and I'd completely forgotten about it, Rihanna's performance with Claxons at the Brits, where it was all playback. The Claxons apparently got absolutely hammered the moment they found out it was playback. And <laughs> even Rihanna, at some point, she's not singing, but the, the music is playing. So you can you, you can very much tell it's playback. It doesn't seem to give much of a shit. But it's, it's a very good mashup of um, Umbrella and um, uh, Golden Scans. So uh. check it out, guys. And their, their career paths went in two very different directions. <laughs> Although Rihanna isn't married to Kieran Knightley, so, you know. <laughs> but uh, we're not alone today in the world of podcasts, are we? We are not alone. We have not one, but two guests. We have Mark and Chris from the Unsung Podcast. Hello, guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. What music have you been listening to this week? Chris? Uh, well, I know what Mark's going to say, so I'm going to avoid that. Um <laughs> I've been trying to avoid what Mark's been listening to as much as possible because after there's a certain point where it just becomes too much. It's like you get musical diabetes from it. Um, so I've been listening to uh, two kind of quite dark, wintry uh, records uh, in keeping with the weather here, which is absolutely howling. I've been listening to Anna von Hauswolf um, live at the Montreux Jazz Festival. Um, I don't know if you know Anna von Hauswolf. I do not. Tell us more. Uh, she, uh, <laughs> for most of her career, she's played giant pipe organs, which is um, 
which is fair play considering she sometimes tries to write kind of poppy songs in that format. But she sounds a bit like PJ Harvey and a bit like Chelsea Wolfe and uh, little bits of Emma Ruth Rundle, but played in the church organ. Um, but the Montreux Jazz record is brilliant because she's kind of unleashed and it's a bit raw. Uh, it's great. Um, the other thing I've been listening to is an Irish band called Lancome. Um, I kind of got this connection off a friend and they sort of do traditional Irish music, but specifically their their pre their most recent album and the album that they've just announced today is coming out very shortly uh, are like a doomier take on folk music. They all used to be in the kind of anarchist punk scene and then they moved over to trad. And some of the stuff is absolutely amazing. It's some of it's pitch black, like really, mm. really sinister. I, I really recommend it. It's it's great. It's doom folk genre because that sounds much more up my street than just your old oh yeah trap I mean, folk. It, I, actually, since getting into them, I've been trying to find more doom folk, specifically searching for that. So, if any of your listeners have any hot tips, then let me know. Doom folk heads, get in touch. <laughs> it, it's a style that lends itself pretty well to it, actually. If you think about mm. the kind of sinister minor key stuff that goes on, especially in Scottish and Irish music, the, the vocals as well, uh, they, they really fit well with that kind of droning aspect because folk music drones a lot, you know, accordions mm. and a lot of the traditional instruments, it really drones. So, when you then overdrive them and add a bit of delay it's yeah it's good it's really good it doesn't cheer you up when you have about three hours daylight as you get in scotland yeah. but uh fuck it it's atmospheric <laughs> nice what about you mark yeah uh, i've been listening to perturbator the french uh reformed metalhead come electronic madman <laughs> and <laughs> um, don't know him at all uh, what's, what's his deal uh imagine john carpenter on acid it's probably not on acid, speed. <laughs> on probably both, to be fair. Uh, very future punk, cyberpunk. So it's very cyberpunk. It's extreme. Not not the, not in the sense that it's heavy, although it's heavy. It's very it's very eighties, like oppressively eighties. <laughs> um, I, I I don't think Fran or I would say anything was oppressively eighties, right? Well, wait, wait till you hear this guy. <laughs> I, 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 I have a, a reference point. Have you seen the film The Guest? Yes, yes, that's a good show. Right. Mm. So The Guest is a sort of eighties style modern thriller uh about a kind of psychotic ex-soldier that invades this family's lives and anyway it's kind of woven through with this really charging 80s synthwave stuff but like high energy synthwave and uh, perturbator just does that for a career album mm-hmm. after album after album variations on a theme of charging cyber synthwave stuff maybe like hints of like akira sort of style Japanese, mm-hmm. like future Tokyo sort of vibes. A lot of the artwork's really conducive of that as well. So uh, it's great, but it takes a, it, once you get to a certain amount of it, you're like, I, I don't want any more chocolate and I don't want any more charging <laughs> cyber synthwave, please. Yeah. So I've been dealing with that. <laughs> and also, uh, I've been listening to Felt recently, who are a collaborative effort between uh, Slug from Atmos- the hip hop band Atmosphere and uh, uh, rapper Murs. They released an album called Felt For You a couple of years ago. It's really cool. Um, kind of quite laid back, but quite funny, I guess, in places hip-hop. Uh, really digging that. And a completely different direction. I've been listening to Jason Isbell as, uh, recently as well, um, who you may have heard of. Kind of country, old country artist. It's like Ryan Adams, but better, I think. Yeah, country is normally not for me, so definitely one of those that I've heard of but have had not much desire <laughs> to explore further. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, so Fran and I have guested on uh, Unsung Podcast talking about Muse. I went back on to talk about Belgium and Millionaire. 
Um, so we obviously wanted to have Mark and Chris on and we had a long back and forth on what we want to do. So we've gone for a record label special. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the record labels, Discord Records and Jade Tree. So guys, do you want to talk a bit about why why these two specific labels that you, you've talked about and maybe just a little bit on why you've put one as overrated and one as underrated? Chris? We figured you've got a podcast you want people to listen to it we can take it on the chin with a hot take we can alienate a whole bunch of people and there'll be a bunch of folk that see the title overrated underrated and they see us calling discord records overrated and they are so furious they like spit their soup out and immediately download the podcast and like what the fuck is wrong with these guys who want to hear it so we're taking that for the team to thank you for coming on our show um we're going to spend the next however long trying to qualify that statement, but it's definitely a hot take. Uh, but have you also come on our podcast too, because we've got different fans perhaps, and therefore you are sheltered from your fans being irate because it's on our podcast, not yours. I mean, I think that's a fair point. Are you taking a shit in our house? As <laughs> no, I think, you know, we've been doing our podcast for about five years and we've been, we've, we've not, we've never been close to being cancelled, but I think this will probably get us over that line. Oh, brilliant. Not <laughs> so... to be the only woman on here being on, on a podcast. No, not, 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 in the sense, not in the sense of that, but I think mostly because, I mean, we, we grew up in a DIY punk scene and it's after this we'll need to hand in our punk card because we're, we're done. Well, do you know what? <laughs> uh, I I am going to be mentioning my ex-boyfriend, Felix. Shout out to him because I we started dating when we were 16 and he was a punk. And uh, researching this brought back a lot of memories, a lot of music conversations. And uh, I, I messaged him about this and yeah, he, he had some opinions as well. So <laughs> he'll be coming on too. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it. So, you know, maybe uh, Mark, why have you picked Discord Records as an overrated record label? the intake of breath there was uh was big guys yeah so basically um the, our podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for discord records you know we wouldn't be in the place that we're in as as musicians and as people who are attuned who are like part of the music scene and in, in, in this in glasgow or i guess in scotland if it wasn't for discord records but we discussed this and i think chris will probably agree with me it's like apart from maybe fugazi and maybe one or two other bands like there's nothing, there's nothing really there that 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 we think that we ever revisit or or, or have like like a we've had like maybe a passing flirtation with and never really come back to it because they released a lot of stuff. Though they, they still release records, to be fair, but um, none of it really grabbed us in the way that some of the releases on Jade Tree Records did. I think Discord is one of the most subculturally important record labels that's ever existed. Yeah, like it spawned an entire. It didn't spawn DIY. Um, it actually, I think Discord was really originally inspired by a record label from California called uh, is it Danger House Records. It only existed from 77 to 80, put out bands like X, um, The Bags, stuff like that. And they went out of business because they went bust because they tried to do it in a kind of similar way. But that DIY aesthetic, that small imprint thing, the reason I set up my record label, Predestination, the reason Mark set up his, that was all kind of really coming from the inspirational example of Discord Records. Discord was a really important label, but for one scene, and I, I feel like sometimes with Discord, they were sort of shooting fish in a barrel. They put out certain styles of music to a certain audience. They very rarely diversified from it. And that's that's fair enough. If you want your label to sound like one thing, that's, that's cool. Um, but it, it, it plowed that furrow. It really, really, really plowed that furrow. 
And I think that people's incredible loyalty to it might be a little bit tied up. It crosses into identity beyond being just a good record label. It's a little bit too tied up for my own personal comfort with affinity to a scene in groups and out groups. I think Discord mm. could be a little bit alienating to people that like didn't like the sound of some of those records um, because it, it did have a real set, slight elitism to it. I mean, Discord didn't go out its way to be a straight-edge label or anything like that, but it kind of ended up folded in with a lot of the in-group, out-group stuff. I don't think the other uh, label that we've chosen was guilty of that at all. And I would say also just as Mark was getting at, I think Discord put out a lot of stuff and I think a large amount of that stuff did not age well, with mm-hmm. notable exceptions, which we'll absolutely shout out. There are some absolutely amazing records on Discord. And for me, Fugazi are like top three best bands of all time. You know, they're just incredible. No arguments here whatsoever. But I think there's a really steep drop off in quality after a certain point. And just from a personal point of view, that early, early punk stuff on Discord, even, God, I'm just going to get out of the road, minor threat. Musically, don't really give a shit. Don't really give a shit. Very important, pivotal, influenced loads of bands, but music's moved on. You go back to it, and it's fun in a kind of novelty way, but musically, I'm just like, doesn't I don't get anything from it now. It's just, mm-hmm. it is what it is. And it, it was incredibly important, but if that's what you're building your entire reputation on, yeah, sorry. Mm. Fran, did you have an opinion on Discord Records or some of the bands on there before recording? I had never heard of either record label. There we go. So this, well, you know, when you're saying like this is so controversial to to us, I'm like, I think our fans, a lot of them won't ever heard of either of them. (laughs) I had heard of Discord Records, but I hadn't heard of Jade Tree. And I hadn't made the connection that it was basically Ian McKay's thing. Uh, And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it when we get into the playlist. But I, with each record label, I can literally give you the list of the bands that I've heard of. And it's not very long. Um, but yeah, so Fran, had you heard at least of the of the bands on the roster? Yes, I knew Minor Threat and uh, Fugazi. But uh, yeah, it's true that it's a non-profit record label and all the music, all the, the profits go straight back into the bands. We're absolutely, absolutely going to talk about that. So it's a, it, 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 one of the whole, one of the most pivotal things about Discord is that they refused to use contracts. It was mm. all just uh, <laughs> like handshake uh, deals. It was, it was literally a like an, an honor base. That's what Sorry? I was going to say. Like, yeah. like Factory Records as well. That was a hands shake, wasn't it? 50-50 split. Or, or Blood. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and like Touch and Go and other labels around at the time, it, it really went in a DIY thing. Ian McKay's spoken a lot about how they refused to use um, uh, contracts. I think it, at one point he just described it as we are partners. Like they make the music, we put out the records. It's a partnership and that's what we work on and there's trust there and we don't need contracts. That, that's something I kind of want to, maybe revisit a little bit later i'd be i would appreciate it if we could stick a pin in that and come back to it because i was incredibly inspired by that when i was younger and now that i've gotten older and dealt with some of the people i've dealt with in music it seems incredibly naive and it's great that discord went for 35 40 years without serious incident as far as i'm aware but others didn't and i don't know how workable a format it actually is in reality for any sort of longevity but anyway yeah so that's a huge part of them yeah like it's it's not i don't know if it's not for profit i mean they get paid for the the, the work they do but um it was definitely a very transparent label with really good uh, shares to the bands without contracts without these huge uh you know 
uh, publishing splits and stuff like that. And yeah, I worked with um, people into that kind of scene, but it wasn't really. I mean, I was probably more busted than my friends. <laughs> um, and we can talk about busted because uh, obviously they're. I hope we do. Very yeah. important in the in the noughties, uh, punk revivals. <laughs> but but Babs have itself. So yeah, I'd I'd heard of Discord Records, and um, the bands that I knew from the roster were yeah, obviously Fugazi, Minor Threat, Q and Not You, Shudder to Think, and Nation of Ulysses, and that is it. And I think because I you know I hadn't realised it, I hadn't really made the connection that Fugazi were from DC. I wondered why Bad Brains went on Discord because they I think would be the other famous DC uh, punk band. So yeah, I was hoping that Mark and Chrissy might know and could um, illuminate us when. When we get into it, especially because um, they, I think they opened for Minor Threat, Bad Brains opened for Minor Threat as their first performance. So intrigued to hear about the dynamics there. But um, before we get onto your your first pick, so obviously the way that we've done this is that Mark and Chris have picked five songs by five different bands per record label. So, you know, obviously we, we do overrated, underrated, but is it a fact that you don't like all the songs on your overrated list or think they're overrated? Or is it just more kind of, sh- you know, showing showing us, showing the listeners the kinds of music that's on there. I think there are some, from Discord, I think there are a few songs that they've picked that, that are definitely, a couple of songs which I think are great songs. Uh, a couple of other songs which I think are just a bit meh from bands that are, you know, mm-hmm. lauded, should we say. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a, Dave, a song by that's got Dave Grohl singing on it, <laughs> which, is, which is just <laughs> funny to have, I think. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, they're a record label worth exploring. I feel like it's kind of music and you don't know much about it. Um, and the ethos is everything with this. Like Chris said, the ethos is everything, often, well, sometimes to the detriment of the music, I think, or the musical choices. Um, but yeah, um, a bit of both, I would say. A bit of us saying, ah, oh, it's overrated, and a bit of us saying, well, hey, check this out because you're missing out on some good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what Fran is going to like and not like knowing his music taste as well. I think. Definitely, Fran, there are a few that I'm guessing you're not going to listen to again anytime soon. <laughs> Any spoilers before we start? Uh, it's very, now that's what I call 90s skateboard soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is what I meant to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely, again, uh, shout out to Felix, who was also into skateboarding. I, I feel like even the songs I didn't know I must have heard before, like on the skateboarding videos that he used to make me watch. Overrated. So, Mark, what's your first pick? Uh, so, uh, Circles by Dag Nasty was a song uh, that I picked. And there's a few reasons for that. Uh, so, Dag Nasty has seen as being one of the most important uh, sort of hard, hardcore, melodic hardcore bands ever. Brian Baker, the guitar player, went on to play guitar in Bad Religion um, after Brett Guerra was left in 1885. Um, and they play a sound which is quite similar to one of the bands that I've picked for Jadetree. Um, although, I think I think the bands on the Jadetree side do it much, much, much better. In this era, the bands, bands that sounded like them, Bad Religion and The Descendants, just that just were much more influential in my opinion, and just wrote better songs. You know, um, this first the first record that this song is on, um, I think, I just think it's very samey and quite a bit bland compared to what the contemporaries were doing in eighteen eighty nine at the time. Um, but I know a lot of people that are hugely influenced by this album. It's actually quite crazy to me to think it came out in 1989 because it sounds like it could have came out yesterday and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> in the sense that the sound, sonically, a lot of bands just haven't moved on from it. Um, yeah, it's stuck, isn't it? Yeah, this this first album was produced by Ian McKay um, and this song is, is probably the best 
of theirs, I think, because it has a kind of almost alt-rocky kind of post-hardcore chorus. So a bit more open, a bit more melodic compared to the kind of four to the floor, uh, ball to the wall sort of thing they usually do. And yeah, I can feel I can feel some of my friends who are listening to this just wanting to strangle me, but hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have an outlet for this. You're in a safe space, Mark. Um, so Chris, do you agree with that? Um, yeah, with that judgment? It could have been any diagnostic song here. I think this is more to illustrate a point. Um, I actually, I think this is a pretty good song. They also have a track called "Under Your Influence," which I think good is a song. pretty good song. Um, I, I like Diagnostic actually. I think they're they're a good edgy band. But uh, a few songs in, I've sort of that that's I've got what I need to get from them. Um, I don't think by any means they're bad. I think they illustrate that Discord released a lot of stuff that was very capable. Um, when there were probably slightly better examples kicking around at the time. There's nothing wrong with Dagnasty. They're a really energetic, really enjoyable band with like a slightly rawer edge and you know, coming from Washington than some of their, their Californian contemporaries. I love Bad Religion. They went on to be a bit more polished. I mean, I, I don't dislike it, but I think what we're doing is trying to break apart sacred cows here. You know, because when people say Discord, it's like, oh my God, it's Discord. You can't possibly pull that apart. When you start to examine the components of Discord, uh, unless you're like one of these really entrenched super fans, you know, that still has their first skateboard, um, I think it's possible to start to to kind of knock down some of these bands and say, well, yeah, they're they're okay. That's that's a totally decent band to be in a roster. But now, are they essential? I don't really think so. I'm sure there's loads of people that are into them, get a nostalgic buzz from them, but in the pantheon of really influential punk acts i don't think they're like you know a division one so fran coming in as a non-discord expert and uh, you know someone who doesn't know punk particularly well i imagine like me what was your what was your view on Bagnasi? i'd never heard of them personally no i was new to this i was gonna ask a question did um discord have like an in-house producer like were most of the bands all being recorded in the same location, same producers, or is it just spread out over? No, it's not like the Seattle model. It's not like the sub-pop mm. model uh, with Poneman and Pavitt and stuff like that. No, it's not like that. You had a lot of different people getting involved, like Mark Sezzi, McKay did this one. But, you know, especially as it went on, you had producers, you know, bands flying up and down the East Coast mm-hmm. in particular doing different things. I think a lot of bands in this period were, were produced either by McKay, because yeah, this, like, this was like early days, for, well, this is actually this is like nine years after it started, a lot of the DC bands recorded at Inner Ear Studios. So any bands were from DC in this era would record there, which was basically mm-hmm. in the studio that Fugazi used. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just, used Ted Nicely a lot, didn't they? Yeah, so and they also he, Jay Robbins. He he worked with a lot yeah. of Discord bands. Um, Eli Janey, who we're going to talk about in, in the Jade Tree bit as well. Yep. He worked with a lot of these bands. So there are, there are definitely common names, but there's no like one in-house sort of sonic style. Because I didn't love the the um, production in this track. I found the guitars quite weedy. I was expecting a bit more in your face. I enjoyed the drums. I could hear this being an influence on Offspring, which I, I assume it probably, it probably definitely was, with, with the vocal style and the, and the energy. But huge, I mean, uh, like huge influence in Offspring. Mm, yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's a couple of bands who I like. I can listen to some of these tracks. I could pick. Oh, okay, that's where that's from. That's where that's from. So it's, it's been interesting um, playlist. But yeah, I mean, I didn't love it, but this is definitely not a track I hated. So when I first um, came across the playlist, I thought, okay, are these five songs that these guys fucking hate? 
<laughs> and I was like, this doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> so, no, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely not that. Like we, like we said, we're trying to bring Discord back to mm-hmm. reality for people because, as I said, that sacred cow thing, I think Discord is up on this, you know, this plinth, you know, backlit dramatically sure. by mm-hmm. people. And it's like, no, just humanize it. I, will, I, I want to say as well, I think everything we're saying and that we're going to say about Discord, more or less, Ian McKay would agree with. He's a really down-to-earth guy. I don't think he wanted Discord to be, you know, uh, deified the way it has. I think it's a a good label that he's proud of the work he's done, but he's also a fan of the work that other people do. um, And I don't think he ever wanted it to become as cultish a figure uh, in people's lives as it is. And I think we're trying to respect that. We're trying to humanize it and make it more attainable Mm -hmm. and make it more flawed and just somebody's best effort at doing something. I don't think it. I think it does a disservice to a lot of things to make it seem almost uh, unimpeachable because the music is impeachable. A lot of it is totally impeachable. So we're doing this out of respect, and that's why we're picking songs and records that are totally good, but they're just totally good. That's all they are. We previously did a, a David Bowie episode, which is very similar. But yeah, like David Bowie seems to be untouchable. But he has had shit moments, but so we kind of did the same thing. They bring it back into earth. Same same with Prince. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Mm -hmm. David Bowie's not untouchable if you're a 13 year old female groupie. But you know, shit again. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, did I I just can I just can I just build quickly on something Chris said there? Like Ian McKay hates, like really hates talking about the past, and he's always seen Discord as just basically being like a library, like an archive of the DC scene. I, I don't. I don't want to speak for him and say that he he, he, he seems like he's, he's distanced himself from it, but he's often quite impassionate. I think probably quite deliberately when when discussing a lot of their history because it's all for him. It's all about having like an actual archive of, of a scene, you know. Um, I I, I reckon I, I reckon he probably doesn't listen to a lot of these records ever anymore. But I think that's fine, right? Because he's been doing it for what forty years. So yeah, I'd I'd never heard of the this song or band. Uh, the beginning reminded me a bit of a poppier "Over the Edge" by Wipers. Um, I don't know if you'd agree with that, but uh, the the guitar sound was similar to me, which is a song that I quite enjoy. And yeah, as someone who doesn't who gets completely lost in anything with the word post or hardcore, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, what what genre is this? Right, melodic hardcore. Right, this is not for me because it's got the word melodic in it. I saw that Rise mm-hmm. Against were also categorised as that and uh, my aforementioned ex-boyfriend, they were the band that got him into vegetarianism, thankfully them and not Morrissey. And I remember again, also listening to them and not really enjoying it and listening to Bad Religion and really not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So so <laughs> I'm not surprised. But I will say, and I will say this up top, I feel like every single song that you picked on both playlists has phenomenal bass lines. Uh, the bass lines are top notch on almost all of them. So that is what I enjoyed. And like Fran, I, yeah, I had a bit of an issue with the production because I would have liked it to have been more prominent. It was, uh, I think there was so much going on that a more prominent baseline, I think would have, would have made it a bit better. So, yeah. This is kind of more of a general observation that Discord stuff was done on, on, on a slim budget, especially in the early days with the stuff on the West coast, there was already a sense that some of the labels were putting a bit of money into it. So when you hear that production, a lot of people, and I understand this, love it for that reason. It's maybe similar to the Wipers thing. It was raw, it was garagey, there was a real sense of kind of bootstrapping those recordings, you know, making it happen. And so that rawness is to some extent a strength because it showed that these were just motivated young people as part of this community trying to create something, which they did. Um, So it doesn't have that kind of early 
record industry, slightly better studios, slightly better facilities, you know, the odd producer that's worked on something bigger, getting involved in multi-tracking the guitars. It doesn't really have that. So when you hear that, yeah, it doesn't help it age, it doesn't help the power and playback, but it's it's a feature of why it was such an achievement, if you know what I mean. Sure, but I think you could have less guitars and the bass line would come. I don't think mm-hmm. it is just because of the production. I think it's it's the choice that they've made of how prominent to to put it in and I mean it's it's just my personal musical opinion you know I love a bit of bass and Fran is always being like but Barbara there isn't a bass in this song how could you have liked it and um uh and yeah wait one of the bands we're talking about had two basses outrageous um but uh but yeah I mean I I don't think I hated a single song that you put on either either of the players either to be honest but definitely there were some that I like more some that I like less and and yeah maybe we move to the next and see and see where it goes what's your next pick uh, it's going to be Fugazi waiting room. Um, oh, this is the sacred cow of all. This is a sacred cow. Right? I'm going to be straight, man. This is a great song. <laughs> it just is, right? Um, but it's just overplayed. It's really overplayed. I think this song was actually in the GTA game. I'm fairly sure it may have been. Um, you hear it everywhere, um, and it's brilliant. I mean, Discord don't usually allow sync, so I'd be surprised if it's been on stuff like that, has it? Discord's uh, band songs have been in Tony Hawk's games as well. Like uh, Money by Embraces and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Maybe partly through the skating connection. I don't yeah. really know. But yeah, they're definitely more careful about that. Fugazi are the Alice Cree Cow and they are the best band at Discord ever. The best thing Ian McKay ever done. The best re- the best thing that Discord ever released. All the records. Um, this is probably from their weakest record, but it doesn't make it a bad song. Um, I think that Discord wouldn't be as vaunted and as and it's a legendary if it wasn't for this band. I mean, that's, that's my hot take. <laughs> Chris, do you also think it's a bit overplayed despite being a good song? Yeah, it's like Fugazi smells like Teen Spirit. Um, but, I mean, it's it's a really good song. It's a song that everybody I know that liked Fugazi liked, but when Fugazi are reduced to this song, it's kind of galling because Fugazi are a band without any bad albums and they're a band where all those albums have within them even in the weaker records, which I'd say are probably the earlier records, a handful of good songs, and by the time they get up to some of the later stuff, especially the argument, you're just like literally just wall-to-wall amazing music that grows in you and develops at different times, and you notice different things. They're just an incredible, incredible band. So this is only in there to be a bit churlish, to kind of say that compared to the rest of Fugazi's um, catalogue, it's a little bit basic, and it's definitely been rinsed by lazy DJs, um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 a good tune, but fuck it, I've heard I've heard it so many times. You couldn't talk about Discord Records being overrated without mentioning Fugazi, right? So, so yeah. Fran, you'd heard of them, like have you delved into their back catalogue at all? I think I've heard like the songs, um, but never really could pinpoint a, a song was was from Fugazi. So I didn't know this. Um, it's interesting reading that just after this, they got offered ten million to sign for Atlantic Records, mm-hmm. which they yeah. turned down. This is interesting. Um, that's, that's why they're legit. Like they're the ultimate legit band. They 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 absolutely lived it. What what they, you know they didn't. A lot of the other bands were full of rhetoric about how independent they were, and then they they went and took the deals, especially down that during that feeding frenzy. Um, Fugazi did not. But I guess he couldn't. Could he have done Discord Records and be on a, a major record label with this band though? Would that be too hypocritical? Maybe I think he could, but could I don't think others it did that it. well. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it, I mean, this is what I kind of expected, the shouty crashing guitars. There's a really good uh, live YouTube video, have you seen it? From 1989, when basically everyone's topless, just in some dirty 
club. Is that the one that, I think that might be the one that's an in instrument that's cut into instrument. I don't know. Uh, there's a Fugazi video, like a really good film that they released uh, towards the end of their career, and it features highlights and kind of supercuts from different shows. And I think maybe the one you're talking about is is in that. Um, but yeah, um, they, by the way, they're a band that didn't uh, didn't allow crowd surfing. Um, they, yeah, they I remember that. They weren't yeah. down with the the kind of selfish nature of crowd surfing and that you know at the drive-in bands like that continued that theme. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be a, any break between the stage and the audience. It just seems everyone's just everywhere, just topless, jumping up and down. Yeah, um, yeah, that's not that seems that it seems it's very exciting. I'm sure it's, it was great. I mean, it's not the best song ever. I was maybe expecting to be, oh wow, that's Fugazi, but <laughs> maybe it's a song was I need to hear. Is there what track would you give a a newbie to to sell them? I have a suggestion. I really like Floating Boy. That's my favourite Fugazi track, okay. especially because it has this weird ending uh, as well. But I, d- I don't know if Mark and Chris w- would agree with me on that. I think they might have different songs. I think I'll give this one to Chris because he's the biggest fan in the world. Oh, gee, yeah, I'm, I'm a <laughs> massive Fugazi fan. Um, honestly, I, they've got kind of dubbier stuff in their music. Their music is really inventive. There's a lot of interesting timings. The, the, they gradually broke the two guitars apart to the point where they would do a lot of contrapuntal guitar lines and really really interesting percussion uh you know really great bass stuff uh, different singers uh, the the records are really multi-textural um i would say like red medicine end hits and the argument the last three records are my favorite a lot of people love in in the kill taker it's kind of mid-period um I'd, yeah i mean honestly it the argument for me is an, a nearly perfect record it's just like kind of up there with like in rainbows or something like that it's just it's a fantastic <gasps> bit fantastic bit of music um and it's got sing-along bits it's got gang song kind of gang chant bits it's got really understated beautiful trippy bits it's very very inspirational if you're a guitarist or a bassist and you're trying to work out interesting ways to use the guitars where you're not just both playing the same power chords and fugazi added all that dub stuff in um if i was to pick one song i would if i was to pick one song i'd probably pick the song closed captioned from uh, I think it's Entits. That song really dubby has a really British vibe to it, and it's so dynamic. It's just a fucking absolute masterpiece. And it's just a shame that closed captioned isn't constantly played the way that this song is played. And that's why this song's in here because give it a rest, put it to bed. Let's play one of their other hundred great bits of music. Yeah, this is the thing, right? Because I think you guys are saying that this song, oh, it's overplayed, it played everywhere. This was not the first Fugazi song I heard. I heard it way down the line. And for me, it hasn't been overplayed at all. So I was surprised that it was included because I was like, yeah, this is a good song. But yeah, fair enough. If you're if you're in the scene and these are the heroes of the scene, then, uh, then I can understand that. Um, yeah, I have a bit of a weird relationship with Fugazi because I they're one of those bands, and this happens with so many different, I think, maybe harder rock even though you know i know end hits back to back and it's not a particularly hard record but every time i go into it i'm like oh i really like this but i don't know if it's the genre of music whatever like i haven't listened to everything yet so i absolutely love end hits close captioned i agree with you chris great song but uh but yeah it was interesting to kind of read up a bit more about them i hadn't realized the timeline that they came after minor threat and had similar band members and yeah song wise what a bass line i hadn't really thought about how the drums really make the the song as well and how there's some half-hearted beatboxing but somehow it's it works wow <laughs> um and the way that he sings as well where it almost sounds like his melody line is out of tune 
mm-hmm. with the rest of the song but again it works and so do the the kind of almost cheerleader backing backing singles but going um yeah a bit more into the scene uh like yeah I'm, I'm curious to hear like Fran have, have you heard of Straight Edge as a as a concept as a lifestyle before well as a as a no drinks no drugs no sex kind of thing yeah or no no casual sex yeah 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 and I also read that that that's what a lot of those bands were trying to to do to to not be distracted um but yeah, yeah I, I didn't know it was like a it's linked to a genre of music more than just a, a lifestyle yeah because um yeah i i mean maybe we'll get more into that with with minor threat but strangely enough i grew up in luxembourg and there was a big punk scene in luxembourg and that is where i, I first heard of this and there were people who i knew who who followed it and uh and yeah i was really i was really surprised and I was also really surprised yet yeah, to hear about the the DIY ethos of it. I I didn't realize Asfan was saying that like it's it's not contracts and everything else. Um, but like we said, like with David Bowie and Prince, sometimes is is what the person does as or as or more influential than their music. Because looking at the like Wikipedia has a list of people who've influenced by Fugazi. And okay, it's like a mix of influenced by their DIY ethos versus the guitar playing. And it's I'm just going to read you a sample of it. So some previous bands that we talked about, McCluskey, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Hold Steady, Pearl Jam, Graham Coxon, Blink-182, Nirvana, Elliot Smith, Interpol, Gogol Bodello, Tool, Jack White, Alison Moss, Hart, Kelly Okarecki, Paramore, Bon Iver, Linkin Park, Lord. Like, and that is maybe a quarter of the people this, and it's like, that is absolutely unbelievable uh, that so many different rock stars, pop stars are influenced by them. And yet, actually, I think Fugazi are one of those bands that if you're not in the punk scene, you know of them, but you don't know their music. Like, you know, like you were saying, Fran. Is that band's wanting to name check for Gardi? Because I think it gives them credence. It, it could be. And, and I think some of them, like I said, it is musically and some of them it's the the business side of it. But that that level, I like, you know, we look at Wikipedia pages all the time of who are the influences. I'd never seen anything like that. So that mm-hmm. that was really surprising for me. I mean, when I said earlier on, they're literally one of the best bands that's ever existed. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I think they're incredible. Like, they... They managed to blow open the doors of alternative rock, and so many bands followed them. Like the closest example is probably at the Drive-In, who did something really quite similar, uh, like musically and energetically, but were willing to do the major label thing that Fugazi weren't. Um, and but there, there are so many others. Nirvana, yeah, Kirk Bain was genuinely very enthused mm-hmm. by them, um, uh, as he was with Minor Threat and stuff like that. Um, but they, they have a massive footprint. But yet they stuck to those original beliefs and morals, and that they they maintained that integrity, and that's just why they're 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 incredible. Like they're they're an incredible band. But see, this is why I I would still struggle to to say that they were overrated because I think they are very good musically, and I think, but but I think if if you're let's say an average rock fan, I don't think you know what their music is unless you're vaguely into punk. I don't know many people who are not into punk who are into Fugazi. Let's be clear, we're not saying Fugazi are overrated. I would never say Fugazi are overrated. <laughs> I'm just saying that that goddamn song Waiting Room has been rinsed to death and it needs to be given, it, it needs a sabbatical. We need to play something else and that's why it's on here. I think it's the only song of theirs on Spotify in millions of plays as well. Interesting. Hey, podcast lovers. Now available, a new podcast experience featuring exclusive miniseries like Food Faves, and all new series that takes a fun look at everyone's real first true love, food. 
Milky Way Marvels, a lighthearted astronomy series where we explore the fascinating wonders of our galaxy. Pop culture icons, an entertaining, nostalgic look back at various nouns in popular culture, plus more. Relax, enjoy, listen, laugh, and maybe even learn. Podcast, presented by Sonic Embassy. Now streaming everywhere you listen. Access quick links to your favorite places to listen now at solo.to slash Sonic Embassy. I was going to say, we've talked about Minor Threat, and that's who's next on your list. Mm. So what have you picked from Minor Threat? Uh, the song Minor Threat, but it could really, could really be any Minor Threat song. Um, yeah, In Your Eyes would have been a good one as well. Yeah, Minor Threat, Fugazi, uh, Ian McKay's band, after the Teen Idols, before Fugazi, and, and and he also had Embrace. He had loads of things going on, Embrace, also a pretty cool band, um, and probably a lot of other things that I've forgotten that people are just shouting at me now to try and remember. <laughs> Um, I am entirely unconvinced that anybody listens to this band regularly. I just don't understand the importance of Minor Threat. I understand why they are foundational to Discord's existence and to the sound of hardcore. Them and Black Flag are really the reasons why hardcore exists. I just, I would rather listen to Black Flag any day of the week than Minor Threat. And I've got no time. Well, I know some people that are straight edge, right? And they're, they're cool people. Um, and they're not totally self-serious. I don't think Ian McKay was being entirely serious when he spoke, when he spoke about it, although I think it did become a thing. Um, I, but that's also tied up quite heavily in their, their legacy, you know, this, this idea of of what straight edge is and continues to be in a large, to a large degree. But yeah, I think they're just not for me. <laughs> I think they're overrated, really. Chris, do you agree? Specifically about Minor Threat, I think this album, or that collection that came out, uh, which is iconic as well. Even just the cover is really iconic. I think it again blue minds in its day. I don't think it's aged particularly well, but in terms of affinity and affection and its place in people's hearts, it's no question it's going to have that. But if you're coming to that record now, it's 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 whatever you know. And it's not like it, everybody talks about. Oh, but it was streets ahead. It's like I mean, there were bands like Wire that came well before this that were doing stuff. And by the way, Ian McKay was a huge Wire fan. Said Fugazi and Minor Threat wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Wire. And the music that Wire was wearing, were making was much more challenging at the time, much more intricate, much more interesting. Um, I, I think it's a good record that landed at the right moment. It's kind of a zeitgeisty thing. It really energized the scene. It gave them something to rally around. Maybe to some extent in hindsight as well, uh, like in ret- retrospect, if you know what I mean. Like I think it became sort of the symbol of that scene, especially as Ian and Discord is wrote like became the 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 fulcrum for the entire movement. Um, but yeah, it's it's fine. It's a decent record. It's just very very fucking basic. And there are loads and loads of bands that were doing this kind of thing at the time. I'd say there was bands that were probably doing it better, but maybe didn't quite capture that mixture of energy and politics and um. If if Minor Threat and or Fugazi had gone on to sell out, I doubt this record would have that same place in people's hearts, but it's there as a lasting testament to how sincere they were about what they were singing about. To talk about the the, the straight edge thing, let's be really clear, Ian McKay is not straight edge. Ian McKay was never straight edge. Ian McKay didn't invent straight edge. Ian McKay says the phrase in a song, and they were very clear as was Henry Rollins, uh, as were a number of other people, Ray Capo, people like that, that they didn't want to take 
drink and drugs and you know the the, the promiscuity thing came after that and then a lot it kind of grew arms and legs like straight edge is a bit like a, a religion in a lot of ways there's a lot of religious thinking around it people really attached a lot to it about their identity people would use it to sort of it, it, it acquired a significance in people's lives that became a little bit toxic at times it became toxic in Ian Mackay's life he had scalding hot coffee thrown in him because some people just a number of times like because people decided that straight edge which he hadn't invented and hadn't signed up for also included caffeine you weren't allowed any stimulants so Ian Mackay having a coffee was breaking the straight edge that other people decided he'd invented. So they would throw his fucking coffee on him. Ray Capo and his wife, I think, had gone on holiday to Italy. They were on this uh, vineyard. They were staying in this vineyard. They, they they tasted the wine that the people made it with their own hands. And Ray Capo was, like, completely thrown out of the gang for having had wine. You know, not abusing it, not substance abuse, nothing like that. Just having had wine in a place where they make it, like... The, the puritanism there was a puritanical atmosphere descended on straight edge it became a really uh in and out group thing people putting tattoos of black x's in their hands oh, yeah i remember yeah. three years later they were drinking beer and they were just you know trying to live it down you know it, it it's not something that you mckay particularly wants credit for he he what he, he was happy to tell people if you want to go and play and be part of punk bands you don't have to get loaded you don't have to get wasted the reason why he's associated with it is because another song on this album is called straight edge yeah right? but yeah. that i mean that was just a it didn't exist at the time it's just it's a lyric mm-hmm. that that became a thing in hindsight and it's something that yeah i th- i think the guy has very mixed feelings about to the extent where it must be so it, strange if he if he really you know it wasn't his i was um i've been listening to this woman called um annie clang and she calls herself um <laughs> something like a kick drum slut she loves a kick drum mm-hmm. and she's done a whole manifesto about kick drum so it's like okay she's setting out her stall she fucking loves a kick drum and it's been a long time since i think a manifesto from the musician but if he's not doing that and he's associated with it yeah there must be yeah very mixed feelings as you say like i think you said in groups out groups and that's it anything which is like right we are part we we are punks because we don't agree with the mainstream so we want to live a different life but if you want to be part of our group you have to live by these anything like that is why i've never been attached to any single subculture because i'm like if you if you start setting all these rules then it's you know it's just as bad as having to conform in other ways fran i saw you nodding when um wire was mentioned did you agree with that yeah, I'm a fan of a lot of ways. Uh, post pop bands. Yeah, I'm a I'm a, a wire fan. But you know, what you're saying sounds a bit like the life of Brian at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> repeating the people's front. Of I Judea. am not the Messiah. <laughs> I sing in a punk band. <laughs> No, honestly, see with the straight edgers as well, there is a bit of that. The people's front of Judea, the, the Judeans people's front, you know, a certain group don't believe in drinking soft drinks with caffeine, others don't give a shit about it. And that's when it gets to that level of factionalism and stuff, I don't think that's anything that Mackay ever wanted to be a thing because it's it's totally counterproductive. Uh, yeah, but to, back to the track, um, to me it does sound like every teenager's first punk band kind of that that became the sound, I think what I would hear when my friends at Sixth Form would have their first punk band. I now know where they got the sound from. It's Mind Threat. Um, That's what it was. That's what they were. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but they were, what, like, nineteen twenty when they were in this band, were they? Mind Threat themselves? So I guess it is It is. What it is what it, what it is. It's, uh, you know, it's a, a repetitive. But um, I put down here Bad Brain Inspired, but I didn't know that they were actually... Literally. Ha- yeah, literally, you're hanging out of Bad Brains. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, not not for me. 
yeah, musically, I don't have much to add. I, I, I've, I've written like, is this the origin song of pop punk? Because that's exactly what it sounds like. And I think the only thing I really appreciate in it is the tempo change, which is, which is unexpected. But um, yeah, I remember not liking Minor Threat back in the early noughties when I first listened to it, and that hasn't changed. <laughs> A lot of pop punk bands were definitely inspired by Minor Threat and Street yeah. Edge and Street Edge as well. Even some bands that are no longer pop punk bands, like yeah, Fine Rise Against, are still Street Edge, but they're just not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just don't live it. They just don't preach it, and you know, they just love their life and get on with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, on a, yeah. Let's not get into it. What I think about it on a personal <laughs> level, I think moderation is very, 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 very difficult, and that's why so many things crop up. Uh, but I, I can't, I cannot stand sanctum, sanct, sanctimonity. That's not the word. Sanctimoniousness. Sanctimony. Sanctimony. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and uh, anything that's if you don't do this, you can't be part of my group. Oh, fuck off. You know, I can understand in in um in a context where lots of people are taking drugs and abusing alcohol, you you do want to rein that in. But mm-hmm. yeah, calm down, people. Anyway, we are going on a left turn. Yes. <laughs> with the next it, there were two moments on the two playlists where i thought what the fuck like this was not what i was expecting at all i know what this, the other one is this, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah i think it's pretty obvious what the, the, yeah. the other one is but um what's your fourth pick so uh soft pyramids by the band q and not you so as 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 time as time passed and 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 uh, the emo and post-hardcore sound began to change it was bands like this that kind of started to shepherd that in and there was some of them on jade tree as well and, and other labels like revelation records and and others that were kicking deep about elm. deep elm yeah definitely it's a good shout touch and go uh were, were definitely had some bands like that tooth and nail as well if you're more christian um but they were all kind of doing this kind of thing um i think q not you are actually quite an influential band uh you can hear things like uh you know minus the bear the fall of troy uh, more modern bands like tiny moving parts um, and any other like emo band with that kind of mathy influence, uh, like American football, for example, really come from the sound of this kind of band, uh, Q and Not You. I have a lot of friends that adore this band and I've tried really hard to get on with them and it's just never really clicked for me. But I can appreciate a lot of the what they try to do musically, a lot of different elements of their of their of their songwriting, I think, are really interesting, particularly at this time. This came out in two thousand and one. So for a bit of context, the last two records, the last three songs we did came out in the eighties. This is like 10, 11 years later this came out, and this is more more of a contemporary sound at that time. Um, but just kind of taken to a, a bit more uh, of a arty uh, edge, I think. It's quite math rocky, I think, in places. Uh, there's harmonics on the guitar, which is nice. The vocal's quite up front and in your face. It's quite stripped back. Um, emo bands were emo bands that were around at this time were bands like Texas or Texas the Reason, who I almost picked for the the last the, the other side of this, but they didn't release the, the record that I wanted to talk about on J Tree Records. Um, so a lot of it was quite aggressive in your face. Q not you were a band who were kind of doing something a little bit more introspect, even more introspective without being uh, aggressive with it, I think, a lot of the time. Um, it's actually, it's from their album Different Damage, and it's a cool record. I think they're a cool band. Um, they are, like I said, very influential in a lot of bands, a lot of emo bands from this period onwards. I just, if you like that kind of music, you'll probably like this, you'll probably like this band. I just don't. <laughs> Chris, where where do you stand on the Q and not you soft pyramid? <laughs> oh, this, this is very much Mark's choice to this i wouldn't have put this one in um however i do concede certain things about q and not you uh, i liked q and not you when they came out i had the record uh, no kill no beep beep the first one in 2000 i had different damage 
I can't remember. Did I did I get power? Which I think was two thousand and four. I saw them live around about two thousand and one, two thousand and two. I really liked them at that time. I was listening to a lot of this stuff that was deconstructing post hardcore. They picked up on a side of Fugazi that was much softer, like a, a, a much more closed captioned kind of side of Fugazi. Slower, a lot more space in there, a lot more dub. Um, they were quite twee. Um, yeah. I think I was, was I listening to them at the same time as like fucking hot, hot heat were getting into the charts and stuff. But um, I, what I find in hindsight is that they're actually just quite annoying. Yeah. Like there, there's really good stuff in their catalog, um, but other stuff was just too, a, a little bit too grating. Um, so it had a it had a short shelf life for me. Going back and listening to it in preparation for this, I was like, you know, these guys had a lot of really interesting ideas, and I love that they picked up on that side of the Fugazi sound and that really deconstructed thing. Thing like early at the driving as well, that El Gran Orgo kind of era as well. There was a movement happening there where people were trying to put space and demacho. Fi, <laughs> the the, the post hardcore scene, you know, to make it something that was more accessible and musical and experimental, and they deserve credit for that. But I just don't think it always worked out, and as a result, I would skip the shit out of their albums mm-hmm. really badly. So they're they're in there, they're a band that I think you could probably put a really good playlist together from, uh, but they're also probably in a little bit too much of a pedestal for my liking. Uh, if people have really been honest about about them. Fran, do you think you could make a playlist based on this uh, one song? Well, I mean, yeah, this was uh, a surprise because I wasn't expecting this. People were calling it dance punk. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty yeah, sure... Yeah, The you... Rapture, actually. That's a band that kind of picked up on part of this as well. Yeah, yeah, because you mentioned Hot High, and I put down Vampire Weekend. There's a lot of bands who have a similar vibe, but I'm surprised they haven't ever mentioned this band. Uh, they're a band that people tend to not really name check because uh, I never heard of them at all. Um, but yeah, I, I well, I quite enjoyed the structure, um, the softer side. Um, I don't know if I will search them out to listen to uh, an album, but um, yeah, it's interesting to to hear the other side of a uh, discord and to hear and it, what had influenced a lot of those naughty sort of dancey indie bands um, like the Foles as, as well. Um, I wonder if they were fans of Q and not you i will have to check out if they've met if they've mentioned before i think that's a really interesting reference you said vampire weekend and stuff as well there was an indie scene that grew out of this i think one of the other bands on discord antelopes um they represented this side of it and this is about as diverse as discord got which is one of my criticisms of them they did at least get to this point they did take a few chances with this kind of stuff um it didn't always pay off particularly well but it definitely left a lasting impression on some of these more indie-minded bands that started to filter this stuff into their work um, but i do also think that it's really building on one side of fugazi i think fugazi are still the grandfathers of this and this is this is a sort of it's a slightly diluted version of some of the the argument and some of uh, end hits to me. Would have Discord been able to have a side project for having more diverse artists? Like, is it impossible for them to have a more diverse band because it's on Discord Records and people expect a certain sound? I had is that hurting them over the years? Maybe, and also they they almost exclusively released Washington DC bands. That was it was very much set up to try and support the local scene, and they stuck with that. You know that was the remit. That's not the case with the other labels, so it's a little bit unfair, I suppose, in that sense. But 
they they wanted to help the local community and so they were dependent and only had the choice of stuff that came out from their local community but that yeah i mean undoubtedly there maybe is a sense that some stuff that was just a little bit too out there didn't make the cut because it wasn't seen as being a discord sound and that is definitely one of my criticisms and i think that, that persists well, I will be the absolute cheerleader for this. I fucking loved this. I think in part because after all those guitars, I wasn't expecting some xylophone synths, <laughs> some Spanish guitar, and possibly a kazoo. Couldn't quite figure out whether it was a kazoo or harmonica. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've said math rock, dance punk, definitely, obviously, very, very post-punk. All things I like. I've listened to it now a few times. Still don't understand it. <laughs> Still haven't got my head around it. Definitely need more, more listens. And... I mean, I think, Chris, you said it was a bit annoying. His voice is a little bit whiny, and mm. that's a criticism I have for some other bands um, on, on the list. But um, for me, it, it wasn't whiny enough to put me off. I uh, I, I really, I really, really love this, and I'm, I'm very keen to check out their other records. For me, I, I like Hot Hot Heat. So if that if that was a criticism for you, for me, that's that's a plus. Um, and it, yeah, again, one of those ones that I'd, I have heard of. I don't know if, if it's from, you know, reading about them in interviews cited by other bands, because yeah, like you, Fran, I can't, I can't think of a particular band associating with this, but uh, but yeah, thank you for the introduction because I, I I loved it. <laughs> um, but I do wonder what it's about because I have um, I have written down some lyrics. So, <clears throat> soft pyramids evaporated daylight, internationally fashioned like disease, patterned always yes, brackets maybe no. The soft <laughs> is building the softest buildings, the soft is raising the firmest ceilings. This soft is dimming the brightest cities every night at midnight. Okay, guys. I mean, I really dig those lyrics. They're nice. They're obscure. I, I have lovely. no fucking idea what it's no, about. But, lovely, but, but absolutely no idea. I'm like, it, it, because because it's the word pyramid. I'm like, is it? <laughs> I'm going, is it Illuminati or something? But uh, nah, or just you know, they just nah, love architecture. But I'm joking. But uh, it's it's uh, yeah. cool that there's a band on a punk and hardcore label yeah. that's, that's trying some poetry. I mean, Fugazi were really open minded with that kind of stuff as well. Mackay mm -hmm. and the whole back ground crew i'm sure had a lot of time for that i like that aspect of it i just over they weren't able to sustain this as a band I, this, mm. this is there this song's there as an avatar for them for like the failure like the idea but falling mm. short uh, like when you go into their so different though that's the thing it's like you okay it hasn't been exactly the same kind of sound i i, I think there's like a bit more of a middle ground where it's not so experimental that it it wouldn't put off some people, but this is really, really quite different. Which for for me, I love. But yeah, you know, for a record label that's so tied up with that identity, I can I can understand if you know fans of that record label weren't so keen. Well, it's it's, it's it. worth saying that um, the rest of the record or the other records do show a lot closer to the I, I guess the house Discord sound. They're still a, that's exactly still a what I was going to say. Band through mm. and through, yeah. really. They're actually not as diverse as, as this this tune suggests. This is maybe this tune's we've gone for this tune because it's one it's of the outlier. highlights. That's yeah, your biggest but, tune, yeah. Yeah, mm. but it's not really represent they were a lot closer to some of the other sounds that were going on there. And that's what I mean. It just fell short. It was like, Oh, you could have done more, but this was as far as you got, and then you kinda of bottled it and then didn't really ever get the hooks and then it got a little bit great and it was a nearly they're a nearly ran, you know, mm. and also ran band. Interesting. Well, we're going back to the just, I guess, some kind of roots with your final pick from the playlist. Yeah, I just put this on for a laugh. I'm totally honest. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a uh, "God's Look Down" by a band called Scream. Um, fans of fans of the Nirvana or the Foo Fighters um, Jeez, will yeah. will know the drummer of this band and this, and the vocalist in this song is one Mister. I got another confession to make. He's got a confession to make, folks, and it's uh, he, he he's always been able to sing, apparently. Um, so this is from their third album, Fumble. Um, 
Dave Gold's first band. Uh, he was always punk as fuck, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, this, uh, this record was recorded in 1989 and wasn't released until 1993. It sounds like 1993, which one of the reasons I wanted to pick it out is because it actually sounds ahead. Of, if you think about it from when it was recorded, it sounds quite ahead of its time. It's quite grungy. Yeah, grunge was, ju- grunge was just happening in '89, And this kind of grunge wasn't really that kind of grunge at that time. You know, this like that was kind of mud honey and stuff like that that was happening in '89. This is more, would you say, more akin to like Alice in Chains or Soundgarden, I suppose, the kind of slightly heavier nah, stuff. Nah, it's well, what would it be like? I, I would say even more towards some kind of metal or sludge rock is what yeah. I thought. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit dirtier. It's that it's not like the the heavy produced stuff, but it is. It's just a bit stodgy. It, it sounds like one of the kind of second division grunge bands. It does. That came after like Gravity Kills or something like that, like one of those kind of bands. Yeah, and I picked that because because it's interesting when it falls in in the chronology of Discord and the chronology of chronology of grunge. As we reminded people that hey, uh, Dave Grohl comes from very humble beginnings. <laughs> in case you didn't know that, um, and he sings in this song, which you, I don't think well, you can't really tell. I don't think you can really tell it's him. It doesn't really sound too much like his voice. It doesn't. How old was he when this was done? Well, he joined as a drummer when he was seventeen. I read yeah. so. Yeah. He couldn't have so been this got me big older. job. Yeah, uh-huh. This was this is where Nirvana saw. Him. Yeah, this is so. This is pre-Nirvana. Dave Grohl. Um, he only sings on one song in their entire catalog. Uh, on the, it's on this record, which, like I said, was released right when Nirvana were huge, which must have been quite nice for Discord actually and for the band. And maybe get a wee bit of a bump out of that and uh, from earnings, I guess, just by slapping Dave Grohl in the uh, name all over the press. Maybe. So what was it? The, the Nirvana like. Bumped Chad Channing. They got a bunch of other people in from like Melvin's and Mudhoney for a bit, and then they flew in this guy from from DC that people had heard about and scream, mm-hmm. and that was him. Yeah, set up for life. Absolutely. It's also a little call back to our own podcast because uh, Dave Grohl was kind of a foundational figure <laughs> in our podcast. We back. But, five well, years I, ago. I, I still can't figure out whether you like him or not. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing not. I don't quite. I don't quite know whether I like him or not myself. To be honest, uh, <laughs> we're, we're 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 five and a bit years into trying to parse that. Ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I am not a Foo Fighters fan at all. So uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. But I like. I think but he's it. a cool person, though. Like you know, I I I'd go for a pint. Well, you know. Well, do you know what? Um, have you heard of the podcast Never Meet Your Idols? Yeah, with, I've heard uh, of it. Yeah. So the the hosts are Queen Kwong, Carrie Carrie Calloway. And Laura Mary Carter from Blood Red Shoes, and there was there was a running theme in it because it basically it's called they interview all sorts of rock musicians about who are idols to some people, but about meeting their idols and and the music careers. And they kept trying to get out of people whether Dave Grohl is as nice as he is. And loads of people were like, yeah, 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 he's lovely. But there was one person who said something and they bleeped it out and they went, yeah, I thought so. And I was like, oh, okay, there's some gossip that I can't remember who it was, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the he, you know he has a bit of a dark side, but um, you you said you picked this for a bit of a laugh, but musically, apart from Dave Grohl screaming, what do you think? I just don't think it's. I think it's very it's very stodgy, basically, and it was interesting for me because just because of the period when it came out or when it was recording when it came out and the fact Dave Grohl's on it. Um, hmm. I listen, if you listen to this album, it sounds all all of it sounds like this. Well, I didn't know it was, it was Dave Grohl for a long time. To be fair, um, I put down Dirty Doom Punk. Uh, decent chorus, uh, almost grunge. Doesn't sound like it. Where it's, doesn't sound like nineteen eighty-nine. Um, but on the Spotify, the one I've got is from the remastered twenty sixteen. Oh. 
Is that is actually any different from the original? I don't know if it's been enhanced at all. I don't have Spotify, so I couldn't tell you, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm a dirty Spotify user. <laughs> so at first I thought it was from 2016. I was like, this sounds <laughs> interesting. This <laughs> <laughs> retro. But yeah, but, but once I scratched the surface, I found out the truth. But I mean, he seems all right, doesn't he? I, I, like, I know, see, in the 90s, I was a teenager. So, you know, the first couple of Foo Fighters albums are good. And then I think they maybe went a bit down the status quo route. Uh, so I actually quite enjoyed this. I like I said, I like I like a dirge. I like a sludgy rock. I think also perhaps I liked it because of the placement in the playlist. Right again, I wasn't expecting such moody guitars and and this kind of sound coming from Discord as well. I was thinking punk, punk, punk. But I, you know, I I like Nadia, True Weirdo, you know, which are, are much more sophisticated and modern sounding than this. Sure. But the, I think that it, is it sludgecore or something like that. Like it, it hints towards that, and it hints towards grunge, as you've all said. So, I mean, I I'm not dying to go and listen to a whole album. Uh, but uh, but I you know I enjoy this far more than Minor Threat or uh, Life uh, Diagnosis. That's for sure. The first two records are a bit more akin to hardcore, you know. So this is mm. what makes this even more interesting, I think. And now is the closing argument section. Chris, please proceed. <laughs> there are definite highlights of Discord, and people will be shouting them out, right? So Jawbox absolutely fucking brilliant album, band yeah. that discord helped kind of unearth before they got signed and went up to a major um they have a band called circus lupus who are actually really pretty overlooked a really good kind of caustic sort of punk thing um a bit more of a kind of frantic noise rock jesus lizard thing it was a member of Soulside was in that uh the band blue tip they released all three of their albums on discord uh discord 101 funnily enough uh join us and polymer all really good records. Blue Tip were doing a bit more of a kind of 90s noise rock thing, almost like a really mild version of Helmet at times, quite chunky. Great, great band. Um, and Hoover, I think Hoover really need a mention on Discord because they're a bit of an outlier as well. Um, their self-titled album from 97 is a really good place to start. There's not a lot of stuff on them. It's kind of cool and expansive. It is post-hardcore, but it's a bit bigger. It's a bit riffier. It's got slide guitar in it. Um, people that like stuff like Juno 44, Shipping News, some of the quarter stick bands. It's a bit I see what you're doing here, Chris. You're using this as an opportunity. Yeah, go on, go on. I just want to mention that, yes, there's loads of people who say that we are strawmanning Discord. That's what I'm trying to, like, get out the road here we're not straw manning them there's some great bands on there um so yeah hoover uh, the track if you want to start with hoover by the way electrolux which i think vulture said was like one of the best emo tracks of all time so there are absolutely discord sleepers but for every fugazi they had a band like slant six for every Jawbox, they had a band like uh, i think it's autoclave for one of their bands fucking horrible uh, for every longfish by the way longfish i think are the only non-dc band that they put out and longfish are a really really interesting experimental band did a load of really really interesting things in their career um but they have you know discord have a crown hate ruin that goes with that there's a lot of dross there's a lot of filler in there um and so yeah as i said i just think they played it pretty safe they had a remit i don't think ian mckay has any role to play in this i think he was quite happy with what they did they really did energize and help their local community consistently releasing stuff from dc he was pretty focused on what they were all about all of this other snowballing stuff seems to have come from other places um, and i would say like basically the reason that discord is up on that pedestal it's it's more their legacy i think is more influential than the actual songs that they released with Fugazi being a notable exception um, I I mentioned earlier on 
that whole thing about being an ultra DIY label, that's amazing. Being a, being a catalogue, documenting the scene, that's amazing. The contract thing, as I've gotten older, I've been a little bit... Uh, it's a very idealistic thing. I love the idea. We did it when we were younger, but we never had a breakout success. Um, I said that Touch and Go did the same thing, and Touch and Go had a bit of a disaster. They ended up getting sued by the Butthole Surfers. The Butthole Surfers wanted the rights to their first six albums back once they jumped onto a major. And the Butthole Surfers won, and Touch and Go got fucked. And it actually, I mean, that was way back, but it, it threatened to completely undermine that entire model because if a band got success, they could completely remove their catalogue from these labels that weren't using contracts. Now, yeah, if you all had a trust thing and everybody was on board, that's great. But as we, I mean, we did an interview with a musician called Siobhan Wilson a couple of episodes ago, and Siobhan was one of these people that was self-released. A lot of it was based on trust, and she got fucked over in a lot of ways by some of these labels. And it happens. And the non-contract thing is great if everybody is a completely up, you know, upstanding citizen, totally right on, like Ian Mackay, true to their word thing. But not everybody is. And the idea of not protecting yourself can threaten the, the longevity of your, your career or the longevity of your label. And so there's a little bit of naivety that goes along with that. Um, it's great that it worked for Discord. I think other labels and other bands are exposing themselves to a lot of risk if they fixate on that too much. And as somebody that's been exposed to the grim reality, especially in music, because music is a fucking snake pit, you know, and there are the odd, you know, virtuous, genuine you know, groups of people like hanging about, but they're they're few and far between. So that part of it hasn't aged well for me either. Um, so yeah, Discord very much on a pedestal, but I don't know. I think it's more about legacy. Yeah, Mark, um, what would you like to to say for your closing argument? So formal, I love it. I feel like a judge. Yeah, it's it's important to see we're not a strong man. That we do we do genuinely think that this label was a as a force for good. Can't really say that about much in music of any, anybody being a force for good, you know what I mean? And I think that in and of itself means it's, it's, it's a great it's a great thing. Um, the fact it's also a catalogue is also a brilliant thing. Um, but yeah, maybe they shouldn't be up on that pedestal because there's other labels that were influenced by this model that I think have done much better. Any examples? Yeah, we're going to talk about one now, you say. Ah, uh, okay, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, Fran, you and I, you know, we, we've talked yeah, about... it's impossible for us to have a say because without listening to, like... A thousand songs. It's hard for us to be able to say if, if a label <laughs> musically output is going to be able to. I mean, I'm going on. I'm going on this playlist and, and mm. what I know about it. Go, going, you know, as we normally do on this podcast, going just on the playlist. Of course, I'm going to say that. Uh, yeah, from this output, Discord is overrated, especially because one of my favourite songs, as you say, wasn't wasn't successful and is an outlier in terms of the kind of uh, music that that it's putting out. I can very much appreciate that lots of bands that came out from this label were pioneers and were very influential for, for other bands. The type of music fan that I am, I, I couldn't say that someone like Discord is overrated because I, I, I think that is only a case in the punk scene. I, I think, or, you know, in, in other certain elements of rock, like I said, uh, you know, Fran Fran and I like rock in, in different ways. And I think you, you'd heard of even less than, than I had, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think may, perhaps the fact that it's only associated with Fugazi when there are other acts that could, yeah, could mean that it, it could label it as overrated. But um, yeah, it's a complicated one. I think if I had to pick, I would say no, because what I do know of Fugazi, I, I really like. And I don't think the 
bands beyond Fugazi are, are very well known, but I can, yeah, I can absolutely appreciate your arguments and, and your perspective as people in that scene. So both Chris and I have had correspondence with Ian McKay. And when, oh, I tried okay. to, when I tried to interview him for my, my first podcast, he was very reluctant to talk about Discord, mm-hmm. like the history. And he says he's just sick of doing it. Even though he still tends to pop up in documentaries, he's talking about DIY punk. We'll forgive him that, right? Um, but he, he does seem to be... It's like it's like this thing that he just loved has grown arms and legs and been like this stuff has been put on it, which is not necessarily something which he cares a lot for. He just wants to get on with it, you know. Are we saying that um Discord is one of the only record labels that someone would get tattooed over an actual artist? Is that that kind of vibe, is it? Are they more important than the artists? Because most people, you know, we'd ha- we'd have a tattoo of a band, but they may not even know what record label they're fucking on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that they're they've got that kind of quite iconic logo and stuff. Yeah, I could I could imagine people. There's probably quite a few people have that, but there's probably more people have the X's. <laughs> or the so. black flag bars. Well, like I said, I mean, it's pretty hard tasks to declare if they're over underrated. Um, I like two of the five tracks on the playlist, so therefore. If you're going on that standard, I'll say they're overrated. But please don't um, at me or attack me <laughs> on but social don't throw media, coffee guys. In space, yeah. uh... <laughs> and that ends part one of our punk label special. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, as you can probably tell, there's a variety of different acts and songs you can check out. So don't forget to go to our show notes on your podcast app and uh, check out our playlists. If you can like and subscribe and share our podcast, we will be eternally grateful. And if you want to chat to us, you can do on social media. We are on Twitter at OUMusicPod, Instagram at OverUnderratedMusicPod, and you can find us on email at OverUnderratedMusicPod at gmail.com. We will see you in a few days for part two.